We don't want to miss what God is doing. Amen. All right. Well, I'm glad you folks showed up this morning, even though you lost an hour's sleep. And so... It's good to be alive. So this morning, I got a smorgasbord of stuff. It's no planned out sermon. I got three different things I want to talk about this morning. The first thing I just thought you would find this interesting, seeing as you're here, we had our time change and you're still here. I want to tell you just some interesting facts on early risers. Did you know that there's three categories? There's people that are night owls, there's early risers, and then there's kind of the people in the middle. But they have stats on all these type of sleepers. And so seeing as you're here, I'm under the impression that maybe I'm not, maybe I shouldn't be, maybe you dragged yourself in here this morning. But if you are an early riser, I want to tell you some interesting stats about it. Did you know that overall early risers are happy, more positive, and more optimistic? Did you know that early, (laughs) did you know that early risers get a full grade higher in school and university? Um, Did you know that early risers actually get a better sleep. They have less morning fog and they rise with a readiness for a high level of activity. Did you need, <laughs> did you know that early risers are more productive? They attack the morning and most of the top CEOs in the world are early risers. Did you know, this is very interesting, that early risers have a very low risk of depression. Very interesting. And night owls have the highest risk of depression. You know that early risers are more likely to exercise. And in a study, it said that early risers are nicer. And I don't even know what this is. They have a less chance of having a dark triad personality, whatever that is. All right. That's the first thing I wanted to just give you a little piece of uh, interesting knowledge. The second thing I wanted to share is, remember a few weeks ago, I was discussing Christian businessmen, and I said they they were asked... What is their most hated attribute in a person that they're going to hire to come on to their businesses? And it was very interesting that the number one attribute that they hated the most in a person was a personality that has an attitude of helplessness, of helplessness. They don't want to bring them on an attitude of helplessness, that people that have a victimhood, that when things happen in life, they're the victims of a situation. And That is the least likely people they will will hire, these Christian businessmen. And people that falls under helplessness is people that will blame others for their problems. And I believe that's good advice as a Christian because as a Christian, we should be the least of the people that feel helpless. No matter what situation you're in, we have God. No matter what state you're in, we have God. Even if you're on your deathbed, crossing over, you should be so much more thankful than somebody else that you get to be in the presence of the Father. We have problems in our life. We get to go to the one who has all wisdom in life. And God has given us an ability, an equal ability to fulfill what he has called us to do. Now we've all been given different talents and we've all been given different measures and different giftings in life, but we all have equal opportunity to fulfill those giftings in our life. And we should never feel helpless because we have, not only do we have equal opportunity, but we have everything we need to fulfill that calling in our lives through the Holy Ghost, through, our, through the Spirit of God. When we looked at that a couple of weeks ago, I brought up a scripture that said this. Micah 7, 8 says, Do not rejoice over me, my enemy, for when I fall, I will arise. 
When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. So do not rejoice over me, my enemy. Why? Because I may be down, but not for long. Why? Because when I'm in darkness, the Lord is my light. He can't rejoice over us. Why? Because we're not helpless. We don't need to blame others. We don't need to share every, to everybody that we're a victim. Why? Because we're not a victim. We belong to him. Right? And so we are not helpless. We are more than conquerors. We are overcomers. And we serve the God that is more than enough. The reason why I wanted to talk about this is I was just leading, listening to a Christian uh, podcast this week, a business guy on Entree Leadership. And he just said this very interesting thing. He said, winners never quit, which we've all heard. But he said, actually, that's not true. They quit doing the stupid stuff. Winners never quit. No, it's the opposite. Winners quit doing the stupid stuff. So we don't quit. We know what he's, what he's saying, but we do quit some things. We quit doing the stupid stuff. And he went on to talk about this, and you know that I've always talked about standing in a pile of poop, and life will give us a pile of poop, and we got one choice. We can either stand in it, or our next step can be out of it. That's why we're not helpless, right? He said it in a different way, and I thought it was so cool. He said, if you are succeeding in life, or if you're even doing anything in life, if you're even trying to succeed or do, get anywhere in life, failures will come. You are not immune to failures, period. They will come. And a lot of those failures are going to be other people, but a lot of people failures are going to be what we do. It's just a matter of what we do with them. The stupid things, what? Winners quit doing the stupid stuff, but then we never quit and we carry on. But he says these failures he looks at as garbage. And he said the difference with a Christian who succeeds and one who doesn't is winners take those failures, that garbage, and stand on top of the pile. And victims lay underneath it. That was so powerful to me. Similar to what I say, but so powerful. Winners take those failures, that garbage, and stand on top of it and say, I'm here today because, yeah, I may have had some failures, but I learned from my failures and I walked in the wisdom of God. Or the others, the fools, the Bible says, <laughs> that's what he calls us when we don't follow his wisdom, lay underneath the garbage. We want that to be our identity. This is who I am. This is where I am today. Look at all the garbage that came on me. That's how some people, that's how helpless victims act. Winners say, yes, I've had a lot of failures, but today I stand on top of them. I've learned from them and I'm following God's wisdom in my life. Isn't that good? That's good. All right, that's the second thing. Third thing on the smorgasbord today and the last one. You got three courses today. I want to briefly talk about this because Monday we start camp again. And I want to tell you that um, in this ministry here, we love everything we do. I love being here Sunday mornings. I love worshiping with all of you. Um, truly do. I love the presence of God. I love sharing the word. I love just coming together this morning and just there's something about a few of us getting together and going, God, we're here for you. It's just such an act of faith. It just, it just lines my week up. And that's when all this stuff hit. I was not about to, I was showing up here every Sunday because that's who I've been for my entire life. And so it's, it's important to me. It's, it's important to me. Um, and so we do a lot of great things in this ministry, but one of the things that stands atop them all is our children's ministry, our kids camp. And if you're here, you can't be here and not be a part of that. You can't. Whether it's in prayer, 
whether it's in helping to donate money towards it, whether it's helping some volunteering in some areas. Um, had some great things, you know, and people are always stepping up to help us, and, and thank you for that. Greg came by all this week and, and took our bumper cars one by one and went and rebuilt them and got them painted, and yeah, just awesome. And it was an area that we were, we were struggling getting to this year, and so we were blessed by that. But if you're in this place, um, if you're in this place, and I look around, and most of you have contributed in, in, in many ways and, and different ways to this place, and I want to thank you for that. But I want to let you know, let's just reset ourselves, that this is one of the most, this is at the top. And the reason for that, it's not that kids are, it's obvious why it's at the top. The reason is, I have to pinch myself every, every year on how amazing, how awesome this ministry is and how we see God work through it every year. Um, I'm going to start with Matthew uh, chapter 9, verse 18 and 19. It says this, While he spoke these things to them, Behold, a ruler came and worshipped him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay hands on her, and she will live. So Jesus rose, followed him, and so did his disciples. When Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd wailing, he said to them, Make room, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him, but when the crowd was put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. Jairus' daughter is ill, calls for Jesus. Jesus starts on his way to the ruler's house. Some things take place. He heals the lady with the issue of blood that we've been talking about um, lately. And then he goes to the daughter's home. By the time that he started his walk until he ended it, she had gone from being ill to dying. And he kicked everybody out of the room and said, little girl, arise. Now, the only reason um, I brought that scripture in today is that the Bible shows us in many places that kids have real problems. They do. Oftentimes we want to talk about our problems. We want to talk about adult problems. But the fact is, kids have real problems in life. And the first time I heard this being talked about, it was at Willie George's place in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And he named his sermon, The Forgotten Ministry of Jesus Christ. And he talked about how so many churches don't even count kids when they count their numbers. And they kind of get put off into a different room, and, which is fine if they're being taught. I mean, the different ages get taught different things. But he called it the forgotten ministry of Jesus Christ. And I heard him talk about these scriptures that we need to realign and understand that kids are a big part of Christ's ministry. And the first thing that he brought on that sermon was that kids have real problems. People often see kids' problems as insignificant, but they aren't. And the reason is, is that when kids have problems, those problems end up adult problems. If those problems are not resolved as a kid, most of you are walking around here and the biggest troubles you had, have today, are not things that just happened to you. They've just been cycles of things that happened in our childhood. And so... I say this to my boy all the time, but when Greg was out here fixing bumper cars this week, he said to my boy, man, I wish I knew what you knew at your age. I said to him, I wish I knew what he knew at his age. You know, we talk about helplessness versus not helplessness because we have the Lord. Man, if I knew how to call on the Lord at his age, if I knew how to speak scripture and how to walk in faith at his age, the problems that my boy is going to avoid doesn't mean he's not going to have any problems, but the problems he's going to be able to avoid or the problems that he does get that he can go directly to the Lord with, 
Kids' problems become adult problems. Kids' hurt becomes adults' hurt. And so how wonderful it is that we have the opportunity to speak the gospel to so many kids so that they have the ability when they face life now to turn to the creator of all the universe, to have the love of Jesus Christ in their lives. There is nothing, in my opinion, that is more important than that. Amen? Matthew 10.42 says this, And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple. Surely I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. You know, we don't count cups of water, but Jesus does. And I think about this ministry, just even Sonny and John getting freezer ready for food, going to the grocery stores, buying food, getting cups for what they're going to drink this week. And we try to do everything we can to serve these kids while they're here. And we might count them only for accounting reasons on how much as it is per cup. But Jesus counts cups in a very, very, very different way. We get ready for them to come and Jesus counts everything that we do for them. It goes on his tally in heaven. It's so cool. We're not counting the cups, but he is. We don't think much about the lunches and the snacks and cleaning the bathrooms, but apparently Jesus does. Isn't it so good? Us talking about these kids next week here right now. Jesus cares about this. Jesus cares that a few of you leave this place and you're burdened this week to pray for these people, for these young men and women. Jesus cares about that. Matthew 18, 1-5 says this. At the time the disciple came to Jesus, at that time the disciples came to Jesus saying, who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child to him set him in the midst of them and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you'll by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as a little child is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. Isn't that cool? Anyone who receives a little one like that receives Jesus. At check-in, some of you I know are on, a, on check-in on tomorrow morning. You two are on check-in tomorrow morning? Who's on check-in tomorrow morning? When you receive those kids, Jesus just said, you're receiving him. Isn't that so cool? When we welcome them through the door and give them high fives, we're not just receiving these kids. We're receiving Jesus. It's amazing how he works that way. I was discussing just in the last couple of days about, about lending to, 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 to giving somebody some money that we see on the streets or whatever. And the Bible says the same sort of thing. That it says, if you give to the poor, the Bible says you lend to God. And so it's all about attitude and what we're doing, right? And so the same with these kids. When they come in, we are not just receiving these kids. We are receiving Jesus. And it's interesting that I remember Willie George making this point. He says, nowhere in the Bible does, it, does he tell kids to act like adults, but he told adults that sometimes we need to be like kids. Right? And it's important to learn to receive kids, to reach them when they are little, so that he will have them their entire lives. And they'll return to them. 
Our Wrangler program is, is proof of that. We have some kids that are here from saved homes and their parents have done a wonderful job. We also have kids in our Wrangler program that never knew God until they came to our camp. And there's several of them. And I've shared this before, but we always know this because when they get a Wrangler interview, they get a little piece of paper that says, when did you come to know Christ? And a lot of those papers say, on Thursday when Miss Stacy said, right? Levi, really? That's awesome. <laughs> on Thursday, you know, and you know, Kim's a believer and it's just wonderful. Even sometimes it's even working with those situations, right? In believing homes. God, you know, it's like Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the harvest. And we need to be so careful in everything we do. And I just believe that God has given us such an opening for this situation. And you guys, if you've been, some of you have been around long enough. Years ago, God straightened the vision out and told me it was going to look different. And it did. It turned in a hurry. And we put camp out front. And, but we've seen such a harvest. Such a harvest. Matthew 19, 13 through 15 says this. Then little children were brought to him that he might put his hands on them and pray. But the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them. For of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed from there. Jesus was about children's ministry. There is this principle in Christian evangelism called the 414 window. 414 window. And I used to know the stats off by hand right now. Um, I don't right now. I know it's somewhere between 80 and 95%. But they call this window 414. And it means that, let's say, between, I think it's between 85 or 95, actually. Between that percentage of people that come to Jesus, come to Jesus between the ages of 4 and 14 years old. So think about that. Between, let's just say 85%. I'm just going to use that number because I think it's around there. 85% of people come to Jesus between the age of 4 and 14 years old. I came at 23. Thank you, Jesus. I, I'm, I'm out of the window, but he still saved me. And I'm not saying God can't save adults. But something is so pure and precious and innocent in these age groups that their, their, their desire and perception to want to believe and receive Christ is so open. They haven't had the years of somebody dumping stuff on them that it's not true. They have to fight through. And I know God can get through that. I'm not saying that. But that is the stat. And so at our camp, we do, four to, we do 4 to 12. We do 7 to 12 most of our camps, and then we do a 4 to 6 in the summer. Um, but that window, it is no wonder why the harvest is so plentiful at this place. Like I said, every year at least 500 kids come to Christ. Like, I pinch myself every year. And I can still, on one hand, count the parents that are upset with us about the gospel. Now, we don't bait and switch them. They have to sign a, our, our thing. They know that they have chapel. But I can count on one hand the parents that have been upset of their kid coming home excited for Jesus. And so that's the part that I almost have to pinch myself more. Because God has given us such favor. And you know the proverb, make hay when the sun is shining. And so we're going to continue to keep making hay. Luke 1, 41 to 44 says this, And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, this is John the Baptist is in Elizabeth's womb, 
when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, listen to this, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. This baby's not born yet, so I call it a baby. And in scripturally, that baby responded to Jesus before it even came out. God loved kids. But I want to say this is, even before that child was born, he knew God. What am I saying? Children can know God. They can know God. They don't get a junior Holy Spirit when they get born again. They can know God. Well, Jonathan was in Sherry's womb. Every prayer I had for him, and it has truly come to pass, is that he would know the voice of the Lord all the days of his life. And there was a couple other things that I would pray over him, but that he would know God's voice all the days of his life. And it happened all the days of his life. I, uh, we were talking about it the other day. I had it written down in my uh, testimonies. He was just a young fella. And, and um, there was a, a, a lady who used to come around that was no longer coming around. And I had bumped into this lady. But I don't like to talk about things. Even somebody was uh, on the couch with, with Jonathan and Sherry and I were talking in the kitchen. And so I was talking in code on who, who this person was. And Jonathan had had a brief stint in his very young life around this person. And I'd run into them and had a good conversation with them and everything. It was good. And all of a sudden, Jonathan, he was like two years old. And he says to the kitchen, I know who you're talking about. And I said, how do you know? And he says, I know who you're talking about. And I said, who is it? And he said the name. And I said, Jonathan, how did you know that? And we just read the testimony the other day. And his response to me was, I asked the Lord to help me. And he knew who we were talking about. And there's no way that anybody would have known who, were, who we were talking about. And I wasn't trying to keep it for his sake. I was just keeping it. And this has been many times like this um, throughout. And you know what? Kids can know God. And so they grow up knowing God. Right? And the only thing we've done in our home, we've never crammed it. We don't have Bible studies twice a day and all that kind of thing. Just God is really real in our home. That's the difference. He's just real in our home. When we're happy is with God. When we're upset, we're trying to look for God for the wisdom to get through something. He's just real in our home. When something good happens, God gets the glory. You know, it's like if we're looking for wisdom, we go to God. And so, because he's real to us, you know, and people don't want to fake God. It was, I was sharing last week, for the last few weeks, I just felt like God's been speaking that to me about just people that, that, we sh that are here and that we should be bringing. And, and God's just going to start to reveal himself in ways that are above an education, that God is going to speak to hearts because people want to know. Smart people want to know. Either you're real or you're not God. And we know he's real. We know he's real. And God's going to reveal himself as people take that step of faith to want to know that. Um, Matthew 21, 12 to 18. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of money, of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. 
And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children that were crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant and said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes, have you never read that out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise? This scripture is so cool because the Pharisees who were oftentimes acting on the will of the enemy of religion to stop, try to stop what Jesus was doing. They were extremely mad about these kids praising. They were mad about the kids praising. And there were miracles that were just done in all of their midst before this. And so the devil, I have this note here from Willie George that says, the devil's more concerned about kids knowing God than an adult getting a miracle. The devil's more concerned about kids knowing God than an adult getting a miracle. And he went on to say, because kids grow up and are in fiery furnaces and are in the lion's den and stop the mouths of lions <laughs> and lead the next generation to Christ. That's what kids end up doing. They're the future. They're the future. And so we got two weeks of camp starting this week, and then we got a couple months, and our summer camp starts. And so there's a few things that you can help us with. Number one, pray. Pray. Not just for these two weeks. Pray for now and the whole summer, right now, that every kid that comes into this place, whether they are saved or not, will experience the love of Christ that will experience the reality of Christ, that will experience our good and wonderful God. That's how they'll experience it. Pray that. And I know the way God does that. He does it through the Word. He does it through us being around here, the love that these kids get. We're always teaching everybody, you know. And we deal with a lot of teenagers too. You know, they got their own ups and downs emotions, but we're always making sure that these kids are treated correctly and with love. And they do an amazing job in the midst of their own battles. They do that. Um, so pray, you know, for that. Uh, number two, yeah, there's always room for help, especially when, some, when summertime comes. We can always use an extra hand with things around here coming into the season or during the season. Um, we all, always can use a hand. Even if you, could, you can give a week up, there's always things, you know, some people are good with gardening or landscape or cooking or whatever it may be. Um, and plus, I think you'll bless yourself to be here. <laughs> more, it's just as much as you'll bring a blessing, probably more. And then lastly, be charitable to this ministry. I don't, I don't think we got the hats sorted out yet. Okay, for the most part, I know that we've been lacking getting the hats on there, so they're not as down as people were, were thinking. There's more hats up there. Um, but we weren't, able, we didn't, weren't able to do our banquet this year. And so um, that's a night we raised a lot of funds for that. We know the camps are going to be full regardless but it's really nice to get enough freebies in there so that these underprivileged kids can get to camp. So if you can be a part of being generous for that, it's $300 a camp. There's lots of ways of, of giving uh, a check online. You can uh, e-transfer, whatever. Be generous. Be generous. What we do here is, is very good. I've committed my life to this. And so my life goes on well financially. 
without this ministry side. But we've given a good chunk of what we have here to the ministry because we believe in the ministry. We believe in doing what God has called us to do. We truly do. And so he blesses us anyways. It's just, it's just the way it is. But not only for their sake, for your sake, for your sake, a generous soul is what the Bible asks us to be. A generous soul. And so be generous with your finances. 300 bucks is a big deal to some of you. 300 bucks is nothing to some of you. I mean, obviously you should be generous. You know, we want to be generous to this ministry in general, but we're coming into camp time. We want to finish up some of these hats. And so I just ask to search your heart and see what the Lord wants you to do with that, to giving into this ministry and putting some hats on there. And just put it, if it's for the hat, just put it for the hat. And uh, we'll, we'll get some more hats on that wall. We work with big brothers and sisters. We work with a couple other communities to bring them in for the summer. And um, many, many, many of those underprivileged kids have come to Christ and, and know God to this day. And so we're, we're excited about that. That's what you can do. So let's end with you agreeing with me on all three of these matters. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that you love these kids. As we receive these kids over these next couple of weeks and this summer, God, we don't re just receive them. We receive you. Father, as we pray for these kids, we lift them up and we thank you for their lives. We thank you for their future. We thank you for their destiny. And we pray these kids will come experience you and know you for the rest of eternity. Father, I thank you for the funds. I thank you for the opportunity for us to be generous in this situation. Lord, I pray you put on the hearts of those that need whatever they need and how generous they should be, God. Those are your kids. You'll deal with them. But God, we agree as a group. We agree as a group that everything that is needed for these camps and the future of these kids, especially these underprivileged kids, we know that you will provide. For the Bible says you will give back, pressed down, shaken, and together, and running over shall men put into our bosom. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You get something out of that this morning? We're going to have a bunch of new believers these next two weeks, you know. We are. And pray for our Wranglers. They do an amazing job at our camp. Um, pray for them, that they have the strength and the peace and the joy to do these weeks and because they get tired too. And that, you know, it's, hard, it's harder to be super nice. We all know that when you start getting run down. So pray for those Wranglers too. Amen.